Well, we're going to do things just a, a little bit different than normal this morning. And if you would, go ahead and grab your Bible and open to James chapter 1. We are actually going to start this morning by reading a passage of Scripture uh, before we enter into prayer time and, and kind of get going. So if you would, again, turn to James chapter 1. And I'm going to start reading in verse 19 this morning. James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is a religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Father, I love you. And I love your word. And this morning we come into this place like we do so many other times. And we continue to talk and unpack your word and and seek to see you and your message for us and your heart for us in these pages. And this morning, Father, we are, are here gathering together. And my hope and my prayer for us is that you would speak to us and that we would realize that we can't just talk about your word. We can't just reflect on your word. But at the end of today, at the end of every time when we sit down and study and lean, learn and glean and, and, uh, and hear from you in your word, we must then get up and go and put it into practice and be doers of that word. And so, Father, this morning I pray that your spirit would be with us, that it would speak to our hearts. I pray that as we talk and as we wrap up this conversation that we've been having, that, Father, you would be glorified and start to build and work and move through us. We love you, and it's in the wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, I wanted to start there this morning, and we're going to come back to that passage in just a moment, but we've been talking for weeks about building blocks. And some of you will be happy to hear that this is the last week we're going to talk about building blocks. This is the end of our building block series. We're going to wrap that up today. And in wrapping that up, I I kind of realized that I haven't ever specifically, directly asked the question, what are we building? Like we've talked about Legos, we've joked around about some different things, we've talked about the fact that we have to build on that first week, we talked about building on Christ, we talked about the need to have humility in our lives, we've talked about the need to have community in our lives, we've talked about our need to be directed and guided and that all of this has to be led by the Holy Spirit, but The question still remains, what specifically are we trying to build? And so with that question in mind, I kind of wanted to talk today 
about that thing that we've alluded to, the thing that's in the picture, the thing that uh, I once showed a video about a couple weeks back, Legos, right? So I brought with me a box, it's a special box to me. This is a box that my dad made for me. My dad made this in mid-80s, I think, um, and he put a lot of time and energy into putting this together. It's got nice latches and a handle and all these little metal corners, and you open this thing up, and inside there were these cool little lids. I didn't put this one back in right because it's not latched, but it's got these little clips that latch it in. You see the little compartments? This was a cool Christmas gift. This was an awesome Christmas gift, actually, because I loved Legos. I loved playing with these building blocks and creating new things, and as I got more and more of them, the little bags, the little boxes that they came in were no ideal storage solution, but this was. My dad, it's got a little dust in it, it's not been keeping Legos for some time, because I eventually outgrew this, right? I eventually got enough Legos that I would fill each compartment, and I'd sort them by different sizes of blocks and different things, and they would go in there, and there were two sides, and you'd kind of latch it back up, and every once in a while when you made the mistake that I just did, and didn't get it lashed back in right. You had a bit of a mess to clean up later um, when you tried to open it up. But I thought this was the coolest thing ever because I loved my Legos. I loved playing with them. I loved getting them out. And I loved building stuff. In fact, I brought a couple other little things here too. I brought some instruction books because I still have my Legos. They're in my shed outside at my house. My kids aren't allowed to play with them because I'm kind of like that. <coughs> um, my toys. No. No, they're little pieces, and they weren't big enough. They probably are now, but I should probably get them out sometime and let them play, and we should have a good time. We have a little bit here and there with Dad's supervision. But, you know, I would get these cool sets, and early on it started with the little small things, but then it kind of worked up. And I usually only ever got Legos at my birthday or at Christmas time. But whenever I got a bigger set, I was super excited. Like this guy here is one of the earlier ones I got that I thought was super cool. It actually had like a battery-powered remote in it, and it had this little motor that had like a... Uh, a an axle that would turn so you could actually make your truck move after you built it or you could make the, the little crane lift actually move and it would wind up and do stuff. But I remember this one specifically, this giant space rover with the big wheels and the magnetic crane on it and the little spaceships that stored away in the back compartment. And when you got done building something like this, especially like this guy, and you saw all the moving parts and all the little secret spaces and all the nifty little things that it did, as a kid especially, I was like, wow, look at that. I made that. That's so cool, right? Like, I built that. Like, I took individual little pieces, and when you start at the beginning of these instruction books, they look like nothing. It's like one little flat brick with two little other little bricks built on top of it, right? These tiny little pieces that don't look like much at all when you first start building, and all these individual tiny pieces align just right to build this awesome thing that I get to play with. And I was so excited about the concept of building something cool, that I could look back and say, man, look, I had a hand in building that. I, I had instructions, and there were wiser people than me who figured out how to build it the first time, which is good. But then there were also sets like this, which I loved, that this side of the book, you saw all the things that were inside that you, they teach you how to build, like the, all the instructions for these are in here. But if you flipped over to the back, these pictures are not in there. They don't show you how to make these. So I spent lots of time going, whoa, that would be really cool too. How do I figure that out? And I'd stare at these little pictures, trying to see the lines, trying to see which pieces were which so that I could build these things. Because it feels good at the end of the day to see something really neat, to see something exciting, and to know that you put the time and the effort and the energy into putting each block into place to build it. 
I'm sure, honestly, now that I'm a father, that my dad probably felt a lot the same way about that box. A lot of time was spent lining up all those little joints and making sure all the little finishes were right and making sure the clasps were in the right place so that it would actually latch and hold the blocks. And I have a feeling, I didn't ask him specifically, I probably should, but I have a feeling that every time I got that out to play, there's a little bit of sense of pride and excitement that I was loving this Christmas gift that a lot of time and energy went into investing and building. You've seen little kids draw pictures, right? They just start with a crown and a piece of paper and they begin to create and do this wonderful drawing. And sometimes you're going, oh, what, what is it again? Right? But at the same time, you're still going to hang it on the fridge because they're super proud of it and you know that it was a gift given in love. Regardless of what we're building, the process of investing in something and, and, and pouring into it and laying each individual piece and, and starting to build onto something feels really good. There's a sense of worth, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of just knowing that we're doing something good. And I think it's a part of our nature. It's part of who God designed us to be. When in Genesis says we were created in the image and likeness of God, God is an amazing creator who puts such detail and investment into the tiniest little things. It makes perfect sense to me that we would be created in his image and would enjoy creating and making and coming up with things and building things and having this sense of ah, feeling really good when we look at something and we get to say, wow, that's good, that's cool. And we've been talking about building blocks and we've been talking about this idea of what are we building. And I asked that question this morning, what are we building? Because I look at those instructions and there's a clear picture of what I want my thing that I'm putting my Lego blocks together to be at the end of the day. And last week I introduced that idea of current reality. What is our current reality as Northside Christian Church? Who are we and what is it we're trying to build here? We know some of the history of where we've been. Maybe. If you're new, that's fine. Maybe you don't. I'm new. I've been piecing together some of the history. I've been looking at different scrapbooks and different clippings that tell certain pieces of the puzzle. I have friends who attended here, or people I know who attended here, or people whose family that I know attended here over the course of time, and so I've heard some of the stories of some of the ups and downs of Northside Christian Church. I know that it was a long process, just from the time of not having a pastor to the time of me arriving and now having a pastor, and I know that in the culture and life of the church, I've been a part of many churches, there's a lot of those dynamics that play a huge part in, in creating an identity of who we are. And the question still remains at the end of the day, once we wrestle with all of that stuff, we talk about it, when we have the pieces in hand as we've been talking about over the last couple weeks, what are we going to build? We're faced with this question right now at the end, are we going to be hearers of the word or doers of the word? Because the word, I think, paints a pretty clear picture, and exactly that's exactly what I want to talk about this morning, I need to bring these closer to myself, is the fact that God's word, we've been talking about it for weeks, paints a picture of different things of what he's called his church to be, and he calls us to understand what the building blocks are and help us understand some of those things. And so I want to take a few moments this morning to wrestle with what are we trying to build. And I think the first step we have to take in that is recognizing the building block pieces. Because if you notice, as we started talking through things, the pieces we mentioned were Jesus. 
the very first piece, the cornerstone, has to be Christ. We cannot build on anything else. He is our everything. I almost kind of think about the fact that in this process, these little Lego blocks won't hold together without these little circles on top, right? That's what actually makes everything hold together, right? Everything has to be built upon and with Jesus at the center of it. There is nothing we can do without keeping our eyes fixed on Christ. Because if we're not fixing our eyes on Christ, how can we be called Christ's church? How can we be his body if our eyes are not fixed on him? If he is not the centerpiece, the foundational stone, the first block that's ever put down in any structure, how can we be who he's called us to be without putting him at the middle and the first, the very beginning of all of it? The next piece we talked about was humility. We talked about humility and how we have to be understanding that we don't have all the answers. We have to be understanding that we are not God's gift to salvation. He is. We are not anything special other than being created in his image. We have value because he gave, us, gave it to us. We are his creation. That building block of humility. And when we think about that, we're like, well, it's kind of weird to build with something that's not practical. For us, we like practical, we like tangible. This is a four-by-four four block. I would imagine it's probably one of the more common Legos that exists in a set. A little four-by-four four square. It goes into just about anything you build. The smallest little sets that came in little plastic packages often had these little guys in them. And you think about the individual pieces and what it takes to make something. It's not that this little block gives a spaceship its shape. It's not that this little block creates the pirate ship to be the pirate ship. It's not that this little guy makes the barn or makes the racetrack or any of the other sets that I had in my life, but this is always a piece of it. And the fact is, with humility, humility becomes one of those building blocks, just like Christ, just like all these other things we're talking about, that if we don't have it in the mix, things won't hold together right. There'll be some space that just doesn't seem to to line up. There's time and time again I started to build these sets and you miss the directions a little bit and you get one off or you didn't see that block over in the corner because you were building somewhere else and focused over here and didn't notice that little guy and then all of a sudden you're going, this just isn't working. I'm missing this block. What's going on? And all of a sudden you have to tear stuff apart and start back over again because you're missing that simple little piece that you didn't see. Humility is one of those constant blocks that has to be a part of us and a part of our culture because God's word helps us to understand that we're called to be humble, to fall on our face before him, to recognize how much bigger he is than us and that we have to stand before him and lean on him, that he has to be the first block and we can't move on without humility and full reliance on him. So remember the blocks are humility. Remember the other block is community. This one makes a whole lot of sense in the illustration of Legos, right? There's a bunch of different shapes. It's not just the 4x4. Four four, there's the 4x2. Two, or the 2x2s. Two two, there's a 2x4. There's a 2x8. There's little 1x2s. There's all kinds of different sizes and shapes. These days, the specialty blocks are just ridiculous when you see all the kind of funny, weird pieces they create to go into these sets. And that's the beauty of community. If we're going to build anything, we need a multitude of different pieces. If we're going to accomplish anything, we need all of the variety of blocks. So many different pieces that go together us working together to form what it is God's calling us to make. And then at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit and the need for the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. 
And honestly, that's where we are right now. If we have to rely on the Holy Spirit for direction, if we have to rely on the Holy Spirit, I think it's in this moment we have to hit our knees and say, God, I need the power of your Holy Spirit at work in me if I'm going to know exactly where it is we're going and what we're building. At the end of the day, Nick could come up with a lot of cool ideas because here's the thing. There's a multitude of different instruction books that exist to build Lego sets. There's space rovers and there's pirate ships and there's these days there's castles and all kinds of other crazy fun things. There's weird stuff that didn't exist when I was a little kid. And all of the sets build crazy cool, unique things. And I often feel like the church is kind of in the same place. There is a multitude of shapes and sizes and appearances, and some of the churches that we build look like the crazy spaceship that has a lot of moving parts and is really fancy and has all the bells and whistles and just says, whoa. And then some of them feel like that little plastic set that we got that's just like a simple little house with a little horse and a little guy, and they feel real simple and nice and easy. There's some in between and there's some in every variety along the way. The, sh- the church takes a lot of different shapes and forms in terms of how it's built, what kind of buildings we worship in, what kind of people show up, what kind of stuff we do on Sunday mornings, what the worship looks like. There's a wide variety of things and we're left here now in this moment saying we know what the building blocks are. The building blocks are the consistent character pieces that God calls us to be. A lot of them hinge on humility and community as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. But now what do we do with those character traits? What do we do with this need to grow in God's word? What do we do with all of this push and all of this encouragement to step out in our relationship and grow deeper in our walk with Christ? What do we do with it? Do we just sit and hold on to it and talk about it? You know, I think if we took these four pieces, we could build a little tower. Or maybe... If I got out this bag, we could build something cooler, right? We could build maybe a little house. It'd be a really colorful house. We build a house, maybe a roof, maybe a little shed or garage off to the side, maybe a little car to go with it. What could we build? We could sit and talk about it all day, and if we leave this bag on the table and we talk about all the ideas, all the ways that we could grow or all the ways that we wish we looked like this or all the ways that maybe we didn't want to look like this, but we just leave the pieces sitting on the table or in our hands and never actually snap them together, what are we building? Are we building anything? Just because we have the Legos, just because we have the blocks in our hand doesn't mean we're building anything because just like James chapter 1 says, we absolutely can be hearers of the word. Hearers who know it inside and out. Hearers who understand the ins and the outs of God's word, who understand what the picture of God's church looks like in Acts chapter 2. We've heard the story. We understand that when Pentecost happens and the Holy Spirit falls on the body, that they go out and they start proclaiming the gospel with passion. They are devoted to God's word. They are devoted to prayer. They are devoted to one another. God is moving in them in such ways that there are thousands being added to their number daily. Acts chapter 2 paints this incredible cool picture that makes this space rover look like a silly little block right like it just like silly nonsense is what this cool big lego set looks like compared to the beautiful picture of what god's doing in acts chapter two and we know the story we know the pieces that those folks were relying on to build 
The problem is, at the end of the day, to pick up a Lego the way they picked up the Legos, to rely on the Holy Spirit the way they relied on the Holy Spirit, it carried a lot of heavy cost. It wasn't simple fun at the table building a Lego set where there's no consequences except for maybe stepping on one of these awful nasty things once in a while. That's not fun. You shouldn't do it. Hurts. The consequences were way heavier than that. In fact, the religious leaders of the day, the the priests and the the Pharisees and the scribes, they couldn't stand this movement of followers that were after pursuing Jesus and preaching Jesus. They kept having men arrested. We saw what they did to Stephen. They stoned him. We saw what they did to other people. In our Sunday school class this morning, we were talking about the fact that Peter is writing First and Second Peter from jail in Rome because he's about to be executed by the Romans. The picture for these followers of Jesus was not a pleasant one. It's one of the ones that has solidified my faith in this message and in God's word so deeply because I don't care what people say about 12 guys making up this crazy story about Jesus being alive. Because ultimately, there's a lot of other history that backs up that every one of them was willing to die for that crazy made-up message if they did. I don't know a whole lot of people who are willing to lay down their life for a message they really believe in, nonetheless one that they made up just for their own fame and popularity. What did they have to gain in that? And yet every last one of those men and so many others who saw Jesus, who walked with him, gave up their lives and were killed and crucified and tortured and stoned. Paul talks about the long stretch of things that he went through. He was stranded on an island. He was bit by snakes. He was stoned. He was persecuted. He he had the entire community of people he had stood with now hating his guts because he had changed sides and was now proclaiming the gospel. The cost was tremendous. It wasn't just the the fear of a little pain, a little ridicule. Sometimes we live in a culture and we think that we're persecuted when someone says, oh, Christians, they're just all blah, 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 blah. And we think that's persecution. To be honest, around the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ still fully understand what it means to be persecuted for their faith. There are countries where it's illegal and the church still meets underground. There are places where ISIS and other terrorist groups are pulling them out of their villages and publicly torturing and killing their family members in front of them, telling them to renounce Christ while they stand and watch them do horrible and atrocious things to their family members. And they stand for Christ. And we have no concept of what it means to truly suffer for the gospel. And the beautiful thing about James chapter 1, before he says that we must be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, is he understands that very same thing. In verse 2 of chapter 1, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Here's the thing. He goes on to talk about humiliation. He goes on to talk about these things. James continues to help us see that this picture is not easy, that we have to tame our tongues. Throughout the whole book of James, there's all this practical teaching, which most of us really like because practical makes sense. And it's easy to understand. But he starts the book by saying, hey... You're going to struggle. Jesus was not 
uh, hesitant in helping us understand you will be persecuted for my namesake. They hated me. They will also hate you. Following me is not easy. Building with the blocks I am giving you is not easy. It is a dangerous game that carries a lot of cost and sacrifice. That is why the primary entry into our faith, the declaration and statement that we make when we say, I want to be obedient and I want to follow Jesus, is a representation of death and resurrection into new life. It's why Jesus used the words, pick up your cross daily and follow me. He wasn't saying, hey, it'll all be good. You can come follow me and I'll give you a life more abundant, which he does say that. But he didn't stop and saying, hey, it'll just be all roses and daisies and nothing will be a problem and sunshine all the time and 70 degree weather just like we all wish we had for five minutes. He doesn't make those kind of promises that everything will be perfect in just the way we want them. He says it's going to be difficult. It is going to be challenging. And here's the thing. I think it's hard for us to build here in the culture we live in because the culture we live in already has Lego sets built all over town. In fact, you pass three of them on your way here if you come from this direction. And there's another one in town that's really big and fancy, and there's another out here in the country that does it this way, and there's another one over here that does it this way. And instead of actually building anything, our culture and our church, I say our church, our culture, the, US, the church in the United States, tends to say, nah, this one doesn't fit my needs. This one doesn't line up with exactly the way I like it to be. I think I'm going to pull out of this one and go over here and check this one out. Maybe they built something that looks a little bit more like I wanted. They have the blocks set up this way and arranged this way so that the music is the way I like it or the preacher says the things that I agree with and like. And it becomes way too easy for us to just shop and make church another consumer product that we do our research on, search the website. Do they have all the programs that's going to suit me and my family? Do they have the things I need? And therefore, we go and attend the place that best suits my needs. And it's really easy. I heard a story recently in a book I was reading called Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. He was talking about the church underground in China. And for a while, they, they, I mean, the church has been underground and persecuted in major ways in China. And he says that they were thriving and growing and God was doing amazing things. And each individual member and part of the body was doing its part and relying fully on the Holy Spirit. They were completely dependent on God and his word. They were devoted to the word. They were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to one another. And then the government kind of laxed up a little bit. And all of a sudden, it was a little safer for them to meet publicly. And so they did. They kind of started to establish some public meetings so that more people could come in. And you know what's funny? Almost instantly, as they started to do that, church leaders started to regret it. They all of a sudden started to realize that the church was now becoming lethargic. They were becoming kind of more dependent. They liked to come in and sit and glean but not participate. They were less active and involved in the work of the church. They were more so just consumers of the church. And the church started to suffer because of it. And all of us and eventually the government became a little more harsh again and the church had to go back underground and and they were thankful for persecution because of what it accomplished in building God's church the way God desired it to be. And I hear stories like that and I struggle because here we are with the blocks in our hand, the opportunity to build something, not to settle for who we've always been, not to just go off and say, we're going to rush and try to be like that church over there because I have no desire to just run off and be like a church over there. 
I, I was a part of a church before I came here where we were doing a lot of cool programs and we were doing a lot of things and there were a lot of people coming. But, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm not saying anything bad about that church. I'm not saying this was their fault. It might have been my fault just as much as anybody's. But I became really complacent. I became really perfectly content with being busy and getting a lot of stuff done and building a lot of programs and having a lot of studies and having a lot of events and having a lot of cool stuff we got to go do. And at the end of the day, I still felt like, did we actually draw closer to Jesus today? Did any of us actually meet our neighbor and bring them to Christ? Did we gain anybody this year? Did anybody actually get baptized this year that wasn't a kid? Did anybody actually come in from outside in our community who had never been a part of another church before? Or did we just get a bunch of transfer growth this year and lose just as many as we brought in? And I would look around and I'd say, what is it we're doing? Are we actually accomplishing anything that's in the word? Are we actually looking like the church in Acts chapter 2? Are we devoted to one another or are we just kind of wishy-washy and saying, well, if I have time and I get around to it, I might be there for you. If, I'm, if I have time, I might show up, I might be there, I might not. I got lots of other things on the calendar. If I can fit church in, I will, but I know they've got grace, so it'll probably be one of the last things that makes my priority list. Because, you know, all the other things have stricter guidelines than the church does. At the end of the day, I just looked around and I said, what are we doing? I just don't understand if I'm accomplishing anything. And honestly, it was part of the struggle that led me here to you. Was I wanted to build something. Lego blocks were part of my childhood. I liked building things. But you know what's funny is I recognized that as I got older, it was the same kind of thing I enjoyed across all boards. I liked games where you started with next to nothing and had to build something, you know, like you had to build something from nothing and, and kind of get to see how it all works at the end. And even if I lost the game, it was just cool to see what I had built and how it was working. If we were doing some kind of activity at, with youth group stuff and they gave us a bunch of cardboard boxes and some tape and they said, go build a fort, man, I was into it. I was totally excited about what could we take these things like what could we do with this stuff and what could we do to accomplish and make this fort that they're telling us to make my eyes would get so wide and i'd get so excited at the idea we could make something the question is what are we going to make we have a lot of opportunity to look i set it down to look more like acts chapter two to be devoted to one another to be devoted to the word to actually spend time investing in God's word together. I told the Sunday school class this morning, I love just sitting down and a group of people actually wrestling with God's word and saying, what is it we can learn from these pages in this word if we study and pray together, not worrying about one person's interpretation, but allowing the Holy Spirit and the word to speak to us. How could we grow? How could we push one another on if we were devoted to the word? What if we actually prayed with expectation, like we talked about last week, that when we actually lift up our voice to God, he's going to do something. James also talks at the very end of the book about the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, that if someone is hurting, someone is sick, someone has struggles in their life, we should be gathering together to pray over them. What could we be doing in terms of our prayer lives and how we pour into the body? What could we be doing if we were truly devoted to prayer and to God's word and to building something? Here's the, the problem. I have a heart and a passion for building. 
But just like the church realized in China and just like so many others realized as Peter sitting in jail writing his letters and Paul sitting in jail writing his letters, it doesn't matter how good of a, a leader and a teacher you have, at some point the body has to be capable of building itself. Like not just building itself. We have to rely on Christ and the Holy Spirit, you know what I mean? What I mean is each individual member has to play an important role. We all have to come together and be the body. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it may not end up taking the same shape that we would have thought or imagined in our head, and that's where humility steps in, and we have to say, hey, it's not about me. Does this bring glory and honor to God? If it does, it may not look exactly like I would have pictured it or exactly the way I would have wanted it to, but this isn't about me. It's about my Lord and Savior being proclaimed and people coming to relationship to Him, with Him, so that they might know his goodness and walk for eternity with him as well. Ultimately, does this bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ? And so I think as we move forward from here, this new relationship that we have, I'm just being honest and laying my cards on the table. I like to build. But I am perfectly incapable of building anything without the participation of the body as a whole. And I am uninterested in building the next fancy big church. I am uninterested in keeping things the same old, same old for the sake of keeping things the same old, same old. I am interested in pursuing and seeking Jesus' face with all of my heart and saying, who is it you want us to be? Here are the blocks. Humility community we know what they are we want to pick them up and we want to listen to your holy spirit so that we have clear instruction on exactly what it is you're calling us to be and we may stumble we may misplace a few blocks but there's beautiful grace in it we will eventually become this beautiful creation like that drawing it may not look like the beautiful art that someone wants it to be it may not be the thing they hang in some museum as long as at the end of the day it is beautiful to the one we were creating it for I'm willing to stumble through and dangerously walk through and be persecuted for whatever. I'm willing to face whatever comes my way, and it may not be an easy journey, but I do not by any means want to sit and hold blocks and talk about what they could be and never bother snapping any of them together. Because if we're just sitting at the bag talking about what we could be, we're just hearers of the word who sit around and talk about what might be or what it will be someday when we're out of this place and we don't have any worries left. Or we could be doers of the word who say we're going to build and step into the kingdom of heaven that Jesus talks about time and time again and try to start to bring his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven by listening and being devoted to the word, being devoted to prayer, being devoted to one another. I want to be here. I want to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, because true religion is the religion where we step into God's purposes and plans to care for those widows and orphans the way he designed and he desired when we love one another and take care of those who have hurts and brokenness and loss in their lives and love them to the point where they can see Jesus. That is the true religion that we're supposed to be living is the one who pursues him and through that process we become pure. We become righteous. We become a picture of what it was he desired for us to be through his grace, through his sacrifice, 
through his love and his work in our lives, we will be transformed to be the clean and righteous creations he's desired for us to be. But we can't do that by sitting around and talking about what could be. So this morning, I got the ushers, I think, are going to step back to the back. Um, We're not taking another offering, no stress. We're going to pass plates, but they've got something in them for you. It's just a simple little take-home. It's a Lego block. It's not really a Lego block. It doesn't have the word Lego on it. It's a cheap and generic version. But it's a block that I want you to take home. And wherever that is, that you have a mirror that you see regularly or a desk that you see regularly or a pocket that you like to carry it around in so that it stabs you in the finger every time you put your hand in your pocket, whatever it is that will constantly draw your attention to it, I want you to have this reminder because all throughout Scripture, God is giving his people reminders. Hey, take 12 stones and create a pillar here. Hey, do this. If you guys want to go ahead and start passing, you can. That's cool. Come on up and do that. Jesus, God all throughout Scripture gives these reminders. We just partook of one of them a while ago in the in the body and the blood of Christ, remembering the bread and the juice as his body and his blood. He gives us reminders to say, don't forget what you've been called to. Don't forget what I have done in your life. Don't forget what I'm trying to accomplish. And so let this Lego block be nothing sacred or significant. Don't let it be the thing that you pray to at night. But let it be the thing that reminds you you've got the blocks in your hand. You've got the character traits that God has called you to be. You understand what they are. You have his word in your hand, and you have the ability to know what it is he's calling us to build here. You have the Holy Spirit available to work in your life and to speak into your heart. And so you have the clear instruction and wisdom of the Holy Spirit available to you. The question is, what are you going to do with the blocks? Are we going to invest... Are we going to take the scary steps that need to be taken to do hard things, to have tough conversations, to mend relationships, to walk through tough conversations, maybe deep hurts that we've had here for a long time? What is it that's keeping us from fulfilling? What is our current reality? What is it that is keeping us from taking steps where we actually reach our community and make a difference, not just in pulling in transfers, not just in seeing new kids get baptized when they come of age, but actually expecting that baptistry to be something that is full and used on a regular basis because we are making an impact for the kingdom. I have big visions and big plans of what we could be because God's word paints those big and amazing pictures. I don't want to settle back, settle for just sitting back and thinking about what could be or talking about what could be. I want to take the hard steps in building what God is calling us to build. So if you would stand... We're going to pray, this, and the worship team is going to come up, I think, and sing, and we're going to sing, and if you need to sing, sing. If you need to pray, pray. If you need to pray with us, please come forward and pray with us. Whatever it is that God needs to sort out in your heart right now, I pray that you would simply humble yourself, be still, and know that He is God, and allow Him to tell you what it is He's calling you to be and to do, because I think He's calling us to be his body, to be his hands, his feet, to be the many pieces that do incredible work through his name and his spirit here in Bloomington, which so desperately needs him. And so I don't think he's sitting back waiting for us to watch all the other churches do it. I think he's calling us to be the church that gets out and are doers of the word. Let's pray. Father, I love you. And I'm just tired 
of being busy for the sake of being busy. And I'm tired of feeling like there are fears that keep me from saying something to somebody I should say or, or hurts that keep me from really even wanting to spend time with certain people or there are different things that hinder us and keep us from picking up the blocks and starting to build. And right now, whatever that is in me and whatever that is in each one, whatever that is in each one of us, I pray, Father, that you would show us your perfect love your perfect grace, and that in the presence of your perfect love and your perfect grace, all fear would be cast out. And that we would know that we can take steps forward in you to build exactly what it is you're calling us to build, your church. A place where people love each other as much as they love you. A place where you are put first and we live out those fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Father, I pray that we would be an embodiment of who you designed us and created us to be because we are constantly being refined by you and your spirit. I love you. It's my desire to follow you with all of my heart. It's in the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.